Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James Brain. Guys, I have never wanted a Browns rumor to be more true than I do now. Keep my fingers crossed. That's Sam Stompy Lane. You know, global warming is a hoax perpetrated on the public. Yeah. <laughs> kind of threw me off with that one. That's Fantasy Joseph the Third, Trey Barrett. Guys, what is invisible and smells like carrots? That's right. Bird Rabbit fart. farts. Rabbit farts. <laughs> 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 that one's surprisingly not as gross as bird farts, but uh, that's it's still up there. Still up there. I am John, the pathetic and hypothetical Hogan. This is a super flex. Super show. How long did it take? How long did it take you to make that up? The pathetic and hypothetical. Uh, uh, seconds, seconds, <laughs> and they don't actually rhyme. That it's spelled different, and I get it. I'm probably going to hear about that, but uh, that's uh, that just goes to show how pathetic I can actually be. Um, I will manipulate the English language to no end. Well, I, I mean. Doesn't ho what was it? Um Hogan source rhyme, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to the man bun, Gabe Gearing. Uh here's another fun fact about me though, that everybody already knows. I am a sucker for a good narrative. That's absolutely no secret at this at this point. So this episode is gonna be a little self-indulgent for me. Uh, but in my defense, there are narratives and speculations flying around all over the place as we approach NFL free agency. So we're going to address some of them and create some of our own in a game called What If, for instance, what if the Earth actually is flat? What if Stompy's right that global warming, it, what was it again? What, what was the, the intro? It's a hoax perpetrated on the uh, general public. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. What happens if I throw this piece of American cheese in my baby's face and it sticks? You know, you, that, <laughs> that video is great, by the way. <laughs> One of the more um, shocking videos and uh, uh, an absolutely a guilty obsession of mine. So that's that's going to be the game, but we are going to focus way more on on uh, the NFL and everything going on 
around it with trade rumors, uh, draft speculation, free agency coming up next week. So much going on, and we're gonna we're gonna wade through all the the, the hypothetical scenarios. But first, I want to introduce our guest, Trey Barrett from the Fantasy Joe's podcast. He's at Trey Barrett. That simple on Twitter. He's one of the hosts of the of the Joe's podcast. It's at FF Joe's. Trey, God, thank you so much for coming on, man. So uh, you you have been one of the one of the torchbearers for Superflex as of late, which we have a deep appreciation for. And at this point, can we just say that Fantasy Joe's is a Superflex podcast? It feels like that's the way this is headed, right? Yeah, man. I, I think you could say that completely. We we love talking about Superflex, and and you know, I, I think that there's not enough quality content out there um, committed to it. And and honestly, it's you know makes up the vast majority of leagues that I play in, and you know, single single quarterback leagues are basically beca- becoming like the standard scoring system in fantasy football. Like that, you know, they're just not going to exist very long. So yeah, man, happy to be here. Super super excited to join you guys tonight. Nice. So good to have you. Yeah. Superflex is like throwing cheese at an infant. Everybody does it. Nobody's talking about it. <laughs> what a ridiculous analogy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, actually real quick before we get to this, though, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you guys have planned, what you guys are working on right now at Fantasy Joe's and uh, what what the listeners can expect going forward. Um, because uh, we're gonna start, we're gonna have people jump on and listen to Fantasy Joe's right along with the Superflex Super Show um, to get twice the Superflex content. So, what can they expect? Well, we actually are in the midst. Our our episode um, from this past week was uh, kicking off. We've got a an industry uh, Superflex mock mockasaurus that's going on, and and so. We compiled a, a group of people from the industry that were willing to participate, and so we're we're doing. You know, everybody we, we find that the everybody loves a good mock draft. Doesn't matter when it is. So, um, and and we included rookies. So there's a little bit of rookie talk in there, um, and and then the episode that we're releasing next week actually is uh, the same group of people actually did a, an aside and did a super flex rookie mock. So a lot of a lot of mock drafting coming up, all super flex, and um, where we where we talk about you know where we're taking quarterbacks and and who we like and, and what range they're going to the draft. So some 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 good content as far as you know mock and evaluating people's picks and you know talking trash about people's picks. Uh, it's good good times, man. Really good times. Speaking of that, I I was surprised that I didn't see the mute icon. Uh, disappear from James's uh, James's avatar here when uh, when you said um, talking crap about people's uh, uh, mock drafting because James was involved in those mocks both the uh, the mockosaurus and the rookie mock I believe right is that is that correct guys yeah that is yeah. correct yeah so James how's that been going and uh, did you give them plenty of ammo to to run you down. Well, a, a little bit, you know. the The first episode, I'm not going to get into it too much. Last week's uh, episode that uh, that that came out of Fantasy Joe's, I uh, I didn't I didn't get run over too bad. They covered the first few rounds of our uh, of our mock here, and I took Aaron Rodgers in the first round of the Superflex at the eighth pick, and uh, and I thought you know that was going to be kind of an unpopular 
decision there, but uh, but they went pretty light on me. They they you know they were they were okay with it. So um, I enjoyed that. That the pick that I picked that got a, the, I I think the most uh, the response that I I I kind of thought I I hit a home run with it was Sony Michelle in the fourth round, um, and that one didn't get the uh, didn't get the love that I was hoping for. So. Um, but really, really good insight on all the picks. They kind of go over kind of a general, um, you know, round by round basis, kind of a you know, and 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 go into everything. And uh, and it was it was fun. It was a really good listen. I can't wait for this one to come out that you guys just recorded. Can we can we mention your the rookie mock draft and who you picked in the rookie mock draft? Well, I don't I don't know, Trey. Can I, do you think we can give them a, a little bit of a preview of that one? Yeah, man, I, I think it's a I think it's a fun pick to talk about. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, this was a super flex rookie mock, and uh, I I believe I have the eighth pick, and I selected Drew Locke um, with that pick, and that's my uh, you know much much maligned uh, for my quarterback rankings in this yep. rookie draft, but he is my QB one in this in this rookie draft. Um, I, there's a lot with Locke that I like, but there's a lot that he still needs to fix. But I don't think this is a great quarterback class in general. So I've got questions about all of the prospects. But I think Drew Locke is a guy who's going to be drafted top 10 once the uh, once the draft comes here. And I, I think he'll get opportunities sooner rather than later. So I was happy to get him in a super flex mock there. But um, I know I'm probably alone with that as far as uh, I know Stompy's not on board. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I don't that's think the, either of us are on board. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the thing, real quick. Uh, when you say top ten, you're saying number ten. He's going to go number ten yeah. to the Denver Broncos because he's just he's too big for any other roster. I I don't know that uh, that he's going to be there at ten. To be honest with you. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the way the way teams are. Uh, the way teams are thirsty for quarterbacks, someone's going to trade up and someone will take him even before then. And my, I, I believe, but worst case scenario, he drops to 10. Yes. Ugh, I hate it. But that was a good segue to that yeah. tweet that you put out. <laughs> um, what oh, was yeah. it, last week? Your, your top five quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The interactions with the Twitterverse was uh, some of it was very positive. It was good. I I went back and I actually watched a little bit more film because there was a lot of people who I respect a great deal who commented on there, and uh, you know really kind of pointed some things out for me to go back and look for. And I did. And I um, I, I I think my rankings are still pretty steady where they're at though. Um, but I think the top four are very close in this draft. Uh, at least my top four and some of the comments were not so kind and didn't add a whole lot of, (laughs) didn't add a whole lot of back and forth. So we'll just kind of leave it at that. But uh, I do think that this, this quarterback, this quarterback situation is so fluid. I mean, you have reports that Kyler Murray is definitely going one. And then you have reports that he didn't allow people at the interview process. He's basically uh, Charlie Casserly basically reported that he was just kind of lazy is what teams found that he didn't do the work, he didn't put in the time, he didn't give the effort, that sort of thing. And then there are teams that are, you know, making theories about how he he weighed and measured in at what he did. And I, I don't know how much of that is all true, but it just seems like there's just such a, a wide array of uh, of opinions when it comes to him and the rest of the quarterbacks in this class. And so I I 
the way this is going to sh- shake out in the next month and a half, I really, I think anybody's guess is is as good as the next person's because it, it it could really shake out any of any which way with with the top three or four kind of going in any order, in my opinion. Nice. Well, that definitely leads into the the main topic for this episode the the what if there's a lot of what ifs to that a lot of what ifs to you know landing spots for the rookies and uh we definitely try and focus on quarterbacks here on this podcast but i we're we're still going to talk about some of these other players because it still affects the quarterback position so we can get to some of these wide receivers in particular you know and uh even some of the running backs who are going to be on the move but we're going to start with the draft and we're going to start with that number one overall pick. My question is what if one of these other teams trades up to the first overall pick and, you know, makes the trade with the Arizona Cardinals to take over the first overall pick. There are a handful of teams that there are really only three teams who can, who can realistically make that jump. I think Denver at 10 could do it, but man, you'd have to give up a lot to make that big of a jump. And beyond that, you know, everybody else with quarterback needs, I I don't think that they've got the capital to get to the first overall pick. So for me, it's a Raiders, the Giants, and the Jaguars. Those are the most likely teams to move up into that first position to, uh, to take a quarterback potentially. Um, and we're not even saying that they necessarily trade up to take a quarterback, but let's discuss those th- those three teams in particular and see what what the 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 feeling in the room is here as far as what happens with that pick. Is it still Kyler Murray? Is it Dwayne Haskins? Is it somebody else else entirely? So um, it, let's start with you, Trey, and just grab one of those teams, whichever one you want to talk about, and uh, and tell us what happens if that team trades up to the first overall pick. Well, I, I it's kind of funny because I was talking with the guys, the other Joes, t- tonight, kind of off the air about this, and um, I was t- we were talking about the Raiders, and uh, you know the thing for me, I know the Raiders have been kind of mentioned here in the Antonio Brown sweepstakes. You know, so this time next week, we could be talking about a Raiders team that has Antonio Brown on the roster. They've also got three first round picks, including number four overall. So they've got the ammunition. They've got an early um, second round pick, I think 35. Um, so they've, they've got the ammunition there. And, and we were kind of talking about like, what if they sign a trade for Antonio Brown, trade up to number one overall and get Kyler Murray. And then with one of those other picks, add a guy like Nikhil Harry or Kelvin Harmon or one of the, I mean, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the jokes about John Gruden and his just absolute ineptitude, you know, the, the offense could start to look kind of exciting for, for fantasy. I don't know how much for the, you know, real NFL, but I, I think that there could be some real excitement if they were to trade up to one overall and take Kyler Murray. I think that would really cement Kyler Murray for me as a top two uh, pick and, and rookie drafts um, if he goes 101. And so I, I think that that could be a pretty fun, pretty fun scenario. If that if that does happen, I wouldn't mind. Uh, and this is going to become from a personal bias, but I wouldn't mind if the Broncos traded for Derek Carr. Uh, honestly, I mean he's not the best quarterback, but he's definitely, uh, as Bobby Koch puts it, a serviceable quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, 
the, that would be, I mean, and, and you'll see the kind of the same thing with the Josh Rosen speculation is what do you do with a starting quarterback when you have two of them? Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I think you're onto something that that's kind of the question I would ask is what happens to Derek Carr then? Uh, because he definitely still has some value and he probably finds a landing spot somewhere, but uh, it, it, it will be interesting to kind of see that the, the thing that, that tickles my fancy out of this is Jacksonville. I just love the idea that the, because everyone has already assumed and it's already been widely reported that Jacksonville is expected to sign Nick Foles, but expected to, and you know, until he does, I don't know. There, there's still some question in my mind on whether or not Jacksonville is going to, you know, if, if another team maybe swipes in and makes a, you know, swoops in and makes a better offer, you know, at the, at for, for Foles. So until that happens, you know, Jacksonville still is very much in the mix for a quarterback. They definitely need one. And if they were to trade up and they were to get Kyler Murray, I mean, it just, it's one of those moves where it just, it, 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 it it's not getting much publicity because everyone just kind of expects Foles to go there. But if it doesn't happen, you know, Jacksonville's going to have to do something. And I don't know that they're sold on the, the rest of the free agents out there outside of Foles. And so, you know, then you start looking at the draft and you start seeing, you know, what I wonder what their options are. So that would be interesting to me is to see what Jacksonville would have to give up to move up to one. And if they'd be interested, if they don't land folds, if something goes wrong between now and, you know, the start of free agency. By the way, we haven't really mentioned that if if any of these three teams are trading up to one, I highly doubt it's for anything but Kyler Murray. Um, and really, I don't think any team trading up to one is is going to be going with anybody but Kyler Murray. So it's definitely – they're, they're definitely going to be um, – or I, I would say that Kyler Murray is probably going first overall in these situations if um, a team trades up. Um, for the Giants – Obviously, I think that's probably the best landing spot right now, uh, unless something or someone else on this list gets moved. Um, he, with with Evan Ingram, with Sterling Shepard, with Odell Beckham Jr., and then Saquon Barkley, you have a very good set of skill players. So I would imagine that Kyler Murray going there would be instant success for Murray and uh, – I wouldn't – it wouldn't be a stretch for me to say that he could go first overall in Superflex Dynasty or Superflex rookie drafts. And that's that's only, though, if he goes first overall? Or is that is that regardless? Well, no. I'm saying if he goes to the Giants in some, some way, um, if okay. he goes to the Giants and, and lands in a situation like that surrounded by that talent, mm-hmm. which there's no guarantee at this point, um, right, that was that was going to be my next question. What if Beckham is not there? Do you do you feel the same way about Murray or Haskins for that matter? I mean, it, it looks like the Giants can really kind of just stay where they're at. They might have to make a move up a little bit, but I mean, it seems like they're targeting Haskins. That's that's the way this really looks. In the, I mean, the only team that really gets in their way is potentially is the Raiders. So, I mean, it, it, it looks like the giants can really just kind of sit back. And if, if Haskins falls past the Raiders at three, 
or at four, sorry, then, then, uh, you know, the giants are going to get him at six. So uh, regardless of who the giants end up with, I mean, I think that they get one of those two most likely. Does that, does, is that the, the situation where you're just, where you're willing to say, all right, this is, this is the one one in super flex dynasty. Not with Haskins. No. Uh, just that, with Murray. Yeah, the the offensive line for New York needs help. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Murray would be fine is that he's very athletic. He can get outside the pocket. He can throw off platform a lot better than Haskins. Haskins is a pocket quarterback. So I think Murray will excel regardless because he's a playmaker. Of course, there are some questions about his um, – just his overall football skills uh, in terms of being a traditional quarterback um, that maybe, maybe there's a uh, not a success story here, but between Haskins and Murray, I would have to say that Murray has the higher, not maybe not higher, but is more likely to succeed in New York than Haskins is Haskins is right away. All right, well, I'm going to bounce around this show sheet a little bit. What I want to ask, and I'm just going to throw it out to whoever wants to answer, whoever wants to jump in first on this one. But my next question, based on that, what if Kyler Murray doesn't go first overall? Where do you think he, where does he land? What does that do to his dynasty value? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I really love that question because I, I kind of wanted to touch on that anyways. Yeah, we have to give Arizona a ton of credit because if Arizona didn't at least put out the fact that and, and get teams to buy that they were interested in Kyler Murray, we wouldn't be talking about the number one pick. We'd be talking about number two because nobody would go to Arizona to try to move up. Uh, you know, even though there's some some supreme, you know, some top end defensive talent, people are moving up for quarterbacks. That's what teams do in the top 10. Uh, so they had to drum up some, some business here. And I think they did a fantastic job of really selling people, you know, whether it's true or not, you know, they, they sold the fact that they are interested in Kyler Murray. So that that's going to help them first off. Second of all, uh, I, I think that's just it. I mean, we get caught in these, we get caught in these traps of someone mentioned the fact that the giants might like Haskins and we're a month and a half out from the draft. I mean, we still have a lot of time, there's still pro days. There's still a lot of things that could happen between now and then. We get caught up sometimes in in the fact that you know we we feel like oh we saw one team maybe tied to some quarterback so he's he's going there. They're interested, and and that that's so not always the case. So I, I just caution everyone. You know, don't I, I I don't buy into the to the rhetoric this far away from draft yet. I mean we we still have time. There's still a lot to be learned, and normally within the within about a week of draft time is when we start finding out a little bit more, um, to where we can start putting some some concrete to some of this, some of the rumors, or or you know, kind of shed what what those rumors were that that weren't true. So to me, there's there's all that. But if Kyler Murray doesn't go number one overall, I have a feeling it's because of some of the off field stuff, um, just some of the questions on his work ethic and that sort of thing. Because I think. A lot of people who, at least a lot of NFL executives who, um, you know, have have the tape have already dubbed that he's he's worth that number one pick. So if something changes, I think it's in, it's it's going to be because of the interviews. Um, I think it's going to be because of you know when they really dig in and kind of kind of get a feeling about a prospect. Um, 
you know, I think that can change the, the outlook more than, you know, what he's put on film. Um, so to me, if that happens, then another quarterback's going one overall, it's just going to be, who is it? And it's probably, you know, Haskins was probably uh, the, the, uh, the answer there, but I, I really do think Drew Locke has closed that gap a little bit. Um, and I guess we'll see from here on out, you know, for the next month or so, how much, but uh, I, I think he's closed it a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, it will be interesting to see if he doesn't go number one overall, who does. You know, I think one thing that's not being talked about is if if Arizona, you, you, you're right, Arizona's done a great job of, of selling or at least, you know, creating this market, um, at least uh, among the media um, for this number one pick. But, you know, I think that there's a world where teams like the Giants and Raiders, uh, Broncos, you know, Jags, you just kind of look down the list at the teams that really kind of could use a franchise quarterback uh, you know, th- there's a possibility that they're just not willing to pay what the Cardinals would want at one overall because there's some really elite defensive line talent that's available at the top end of this draft. And so I think for the Cardinals, if they do decide that Josh Rosen is their quarterback of the future, or at least the guy they're going to stick with for now, you know, I think that, you know, the, the D-line talent that's up there is easily worth uh, a number one pick. So, you know, things could just get totally thrown off. And and then you you really... You know, because you've got the 49ers and the Jets, the Raiders, you know, technically based on what John Gruden's saying, don't, don't need a quarterback. So, so you've got, you know, three or four teams right at the top of the draft that don't need quarterbacks. So you really could see a lot of movement there because, you know, there's, I think, six teams in the top 15 that really need a franchise quarterback. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, the movement that happens even before the draft, you know, even before draft night and, and then during the, the actual draft and, and see some of the, you know, a team like Tampa Bay, for instance, uh, you know, they, they could move down and, and, you know, some of those teams that are in that, those top 15 picks could jump up and, and jump ahead of the giants or, you know, jump ahead of the, um, I guess the Jags or the seventh team. So it'll be fun to watch, but I, I think for me, if, if Kyler Murray goes in the top 10, he, he's going to be still a pretty serious consideration in the, those top, probably top three um, rookie picks for me. I, I, I like his upside and I obviously landing spots going to be pretty big in that too. Yeah. And especially with a, in a class, it's so heavy on the wide receivers. That's uh, that, that makes it really tough to, you know, it, it, it's really hard to take a wide receiver early in a rookie, a dynasty rookie draft, just because, I mean, you still have to wait on these guys. You know, even the best wide receivers to come out as rookies, you usually can't count on them as a in every week starter. I mean, Beckham is is the all time fluke. Evans is right there with them, but beyond that, I mean, you you really have to plan on waiting a, at least a year before these guys become actual starters for your roster. So it definitely pushes the quarterback position up and kind of forgives a little bit, even if they do slip. Um, but I mean, you said something there, Trey, you know, the, the, the pass rushers, that that's what makes this entire thing. So confusing to me, what the Cardinals are trying to do. I get it. Trying to, to inflate the value of that first overall pick so that you're listening to offers for you know somebody trying to move up for Kyler Murray, but it, it 
still just doesn't make a ton of sense to me when there's one prospect in this draft class that seems to me is can't miss, and that's Nick Bosa. Why wouldn't you just sit in the pocket, take Nick Bosa first overall, and you know see see, see what you've got with Josh Rosen going forward? I, I think I agree with that. I don't know if I agree that he's that uh, Nick Bosa is the only can't miss. Really. Uh, like I think that's where the Cardinals need the most help is on the interior line because they have um, Chandler Jones on the outside. I don't know who would be on the other side of the um, field, but I think they do. They struggled against the run, so they do need help on the inside. And I think Quinn and Williams would be a great fit for the Cardinals. I um, so yeah, I mean, and, and they need help on the D, on the offensive line as well. So to me. The only reason that Kyler Murray makes sense one overall is that he can move outside of the pocket and, like I said, throw off platform, which they would need if they don't take if they don't build up their offensive line. So that's the only reason that makes any sense to me. Well, let's move on to Josh Rosen then. Let's get let's throw him into this conversation a little bit. So the what if scenario here is what if Arizona actually does trade Josh Rosen? and which of these teams he would potentially go to. The the teams that he's being linked to the most would be Washington, the Giants, and the New England Patriots. Um, there are plenty of teams that are in play, so, I mean, we can throw out any one of them, uh, whichever, whichever one you want to talk about. Those are the three, uh, just to kind of get us started, but um, start with you, Trey. What, uh, which, which of those teams... Do you see Josh Rosen going to and and having the biggest effect and holding the most value in a dynasty superflex? Well, I think, and and I don't even know that it ended up on the sheet, but one of the, you know, I, I saw, I don't remember where I read it. Um, oh yeah, I do. It is on here. New England. I, I mean, I think, you know, for me, for a guy like Rosen, what would get me the most excited, you know, in, in a world where we kind of think that Josh McDaniel is going to take over for Belichick in the coming years. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady obviously doesn't have more than probably a one to two years left in him. You know, the opportunity for a guy like Rosen to come and sit behind Tom Brady for a year, um, you know, a la Aaron Rodgers coming and sitting behind the, uh, the, the great greatness of Brett Favre. I, I mean, I, I think that would be just a, a dream scenario for Patriots fans, for Josh Rosen owners. I think that could be a lot of fun. I mean, of course, you know, everybody loves to talk about anyone going to New England, right, uh, for fantasy value. So I, I think that could be a really, really interesting. And, and New England has a lot of draft capital in this draft class. And, and so I think, you know, if if – the uh, Cardinals do decide to take Kyler Murray um, at, at the number one overall pick. I think a trade to New England could could really be possible. Oh, that'd be such a Patriots move. That would be that'd be actually pretty annoying. But you're right. I mean, that's <laughs> that is pretty much the that's just about the perfect fit. But what do you think, James? Yeah, no, I I like that. Uh, that's that's fun. The only reason why I don't want to talk about that and think about it too much is because. The thought of one of these top tight ends ending up in New England in the first round just tantalizes me. So if they have to give up that last pick in the first round to to get Rose, and that's the only the only bugaboo is that I don't get to see one of these elite tight ends maybe there. So 
I'm going to hold out hope for that. But, um, I, you know, Stompy actually talked about the Giants earlier, and I think that would be a fantastic situation for someone like Rosen because, you know, if, if he's not ready right away, that's okay. You can, you can you know, probably get away with starting UI for the better part of another year, especially if you could sell to that fan base that we have a, we, look, we have a game plan in place. You know, we, we have this young guy ready to take the wings when he's ready. And if OBJ is still there, and if, you know, Sterling Shepard is healthy and Evan Ingram's there and Saquon Barkley, I mean, you're surrounding him with good talent. You just have to fix the offensive line at that point. And I think that can be done uh, over the course of a year. So I think if if you give him a year to sit behind Eli Manning, um, I think that you put Josh Rosen in a really positive situation uh, and one with a, an elite supporting cast. So I would really like to see that happen, to be totally honest with you. That would also scare me a little bit um, because Josh Rosen is also a, a pocket passer like Haskins. And if the Giants are trading for Rosen, they're likely not getting a top-end talent at uh, offensive line. And we, we saw him struggle in Arizona. I mean, a lot of it had to do with play calling, but they still didn't have a good offensive line either. And I think Rosen is a lot like Tom Brady in that if you get pressure on him, he folds. Um, so I, I would just be I would be concerned for him going to the Giants. But you may be right, James, where you have him sit behind Eli to protect them, to, to help build that offensive line, and then let him loose next year. Um, I, I, so l let me talk about new England real quick. New England is known for their difficulty, uh, their offensive scheme being difficult, uh, hard to learn, I suppose. And Josh Rosen, there were concerns about Josh Rosen being quote unquote, too smart for his own good in that he gets bored or he needs to be challenged with the playbook. So I, I, I think I agree that new England would be a great fit learning behind Tom Brady, learning in that offense. He, I mean, he's a lot like Tom Brady in, in what he does well. So I, I, I like that situation or that what if, um, Washington, uh, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there's just not a ton there. Um, maybe the the slot receivers. I, I do like Trey Quinn. I do like Jamison Crowder if he's there. But Josh Doxson hasn't shown me anything. Paul Richardson had flashes in Seattle, but the, it's just not a special pass catching unit. But then again, the Redskins are likely built around the run. So it might help Josh Rosen in that capacity to get Darius guys going. They also have a very good offensive line. So if they could bring in a, another wide receiver, um, that could be a possession wide receiver. And I don't know where, where are the Redskins picking? Uh, good question. Um, 15. So, I, I mean, if they could, with, with how deep this wide receiver class is, if they could get somebody in the second round that could end up being a their wide receiver one, I would feel a lot better about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of the three places that we talked about, I think Washington's probably the last place I want them to go. 
uh, other than and and this could be another thing and i and i just added it was what if they don't trade him uh we at dino diagnostic just got off um recording with josh hermsmeyer and he and i've seen him make this argument on twitter is that what if they just bring in kyler murray and then have them compete for the starting job so we, we've seen it we've seen it work in in the near past here with guys like uh when the redskins drafted robert griffin and kirk cousins now it did there were some injuries involved but you still had two legitimate starters in the nfl at points uh we saw it with seattle where they uh signed matt flynn and then they drafted russell wilson russell wilson won the job um josh hermsmeyer brought up a good one in uh, as it was a Dallas when they drafted Aikman and I can't remember the other guy's name, the other quarterback's name, but they ended up trading the other quarterback for a first, second and third round picks. Um, so it's, we've seen it work and I, I there's all of those idioms out there like uh, competition breeds um, success. Um, put, they would push each other's levels a little bit. It's just, I think it's, it's a definite, possibility it would be smart of the cardinals to do it yeah every nfl team should do this the broncos should be doing this right now instead they brought in two they've got two veteran quarterbacks who i i mean there's no way either one of those guys is the actual future of the franchise we're we're talking short term yet they've got 28 million dollars wrapped up in those two guys and they're taking the exact same approach as what we're talking about with the Cardinals. The difference is the Cardinals would, would be somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, $10 million wrapped up in the quarterback position between two guys. And you get to find out which one of them sticks and which one of them doesn't. And it, I mean, if, if they're right, if, if they don't like Josh Rosen and they're right about that, that was going to happen. That was going to happen anyways regardless of whether or not they draft Kyler Murray. So, yeah, you bring in Murray and see which one of those guys is going to be the future of your franchise. And, you know, maybe you can trade the other one and maybe you can still get first-round value. And if you do that, you should you should still be able to get a first-round pick. And if you do that, the net gain is a franchise quarterback. The net loss is one first-round draft pick. So, you know, it it just... It just makes way too much sense to do it that way. That's why there's no chance that they're going to do it. So let's just bring this whole thing together. What if Arizona drafts Kyler Murray and trades Josh Rosen, and then Kyler Murray does not end up being the franchise quarterback that they thought they were getting with the first overall pick? Yeah, I'll throw throw another wrinkle in there. What if Josh Rosen turns into a – a uh, Super Bowl winning or Pro Bowl type quarterback for Arizona or for a, a different team? For a different team. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh so hard. Man, that's crazy. I, th- you know, I think that there's a. This is going to be so much fun to watch, not just the Cardinals and what they decide to do. You know, they're, they're, I, I don't remember a, a draft in recent years where, where leading up to the draft, there were so many scenarios with superstars potentially changing teams, you know, quarterbacks taken in the first round. I mean, you know, top 10 pick the previous year potentially being traded. 
Um, so it, it's going to be really fun to watch how it all transpires. But the Cardinals, there's a lot of pressure on that organization. I mean, that roster right now is pretty awful. And there's some bright spots, but there's a lot of pressure on them to get this right and, and to make a wise decision um, in the way they handle this. I don't envy them at all. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I, I don't envy their position. However, John, you, I, I've seen you tweet about this for the past few weeks about how Arizona should, if they're going to even trade up to one, they should keep Josh Rosen. And you're so, I, I can't agree with you more like that. This is why you don't, because what if, what if, you know, uh, something happens where Murray isn't, you know, the guy that you drafted him to be and, and, you know, you, you trade Josh Rosen and he ends up being, you know, even, even serviceable, even above average starting quarterback, you know, that, that you, you still come out looking so terrible with that. Whereas, I mean, NFL, NFL GMs have to find their, their quarterback. They have to find that guy. Why not? double your chances and keep Rosen and draft Murray and just figure out which one of them, as long as one of them becomes a franchise quarterback, it doesn't matter which one, then you're, you're good. You're golden. You're set for the next 10 years. And really what did it cost you? It costed you a first round pick. You're going to tell me that teams wouldn't take a, a Patrick Mahomes for two firsts. Absolutely. They would, um, or for, for a first, which is really what this would you know cost them, you know, in the long run, um, is what they would lose out on. So I guess I, it, it just makes too much sense for them to do it. And I don't understand why NFL teams don't see that. It seems like they, they fall into that narrative of, we don't want the fan base calling for the backup all the time. We want to show confidence in the one guy, you know, and it just, it, it's, it's such a tired narrative that really it's the focus should be, Hey, we're going to stockpile as many assets at quarterback as we can, whether they're all first round picks or not. And eventually we're going to hit and when we do, it'll all be worth it. And that's the way it should be. But if not, Arizona's in trouble, and a lot of people are going to lose their job if they trade up to one, Murray isn't a, isn't a hit, and uh, Rosen has any type of success elsewhere. And then you still have to do it again next year. That's the other thing. You still have to keep drafting quarterbacks until you find one. Here's the reality of the NFL right now. It, it, this, it, it, you know, The idea of a rebuild is a totally different thing. To me, the Seattle Seahawks changed the game. You know, Stompy brought them up with, with Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson in the same year. That's when everything changed because what the Seattle Seahawks said was, we just we have to get the quarterback right. Once we find, and we'll, we'll throw all the resources and all the money at the quarterback position that we need to in order to get it right. Because once we do that, then that unlocks all this cap space that we can use on an offensive line, on a defense, the Legion of Boom, and all those pass rushers that they were able to sign. Although, you know, Marshawn Lynch, they were able to bring him in. All of this stuff comes together because you got you found your young franchise quarterback in the NFL draft. You got him on a rookie deal. And since then, we've seen now we've we're seeing this with the L.A. Rams. We're seeing this with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're able to throw so much money. Look at what the the Rams did last year with all that cap space that they didn't have to spend on the quarterback position. Now, at some point, they're going to have to give a mega deal to Jared Goff and everything starts to fall apart a little bit and you got to get a little bit more creative. But in the meantime, you've you just got you went to the Super Bowl with a $6 million quarterback. 
and the rest of your cap space, the other, you know, 180 million or whatever it was, you got to spend that on the rest of your roster. And ditto with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now they've got a ton of cap space that they can throw at their defense and, you know, potentially take another step now that they've got their franchise guy. So every NFL team should be doing this. This is what a rebuild is in the NFL now, is we don't have our quarterback. We don't have our franchise quarterback. That's all it is. It's not rebuild the entire roster. It's rebuild the quarterback position. And once you do that, you're done. You're done rebuilding. Now you get to start spending. Well, and, and if you look at the available cap space for teams, most of the top 10, we'll say, have quarterbacks on rookie deals. I mean, mm-hmm. New York Jets are second in caps. I mean, the Colts are first, which they just – they are re- – they they have a lot of contracts coming up, but they also didn't have the most talented team last season. Um, the Browns have Mayfield, Bills have Allen, the Raiders. No, they signed uh, they signed Card to a mega deal, but they also bought a bunch of expiring contracts. Um, the Texans have Watson, Baltimore Ravens have Jackson, um, Tennessee Titans have um, Mariota. So it's just. And and even even Los Angeles Rams when they had all of those contracts that big contracts that they were able to um, get last season, they're still ranked twelfth in cap space this season. So it's not like they are hurting by any means. So it's a very valid point, is that, and that's what we've seen is success um, from those teams with the franchise rookie franchise QB on the rookie contract. Is you're allowed to you're you're able to buy defense and and other offensive weapons that maybe you wouldn't when you give Kirk Cousins 84 million guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we probably spend enough time on that. I I mean, I think it's a super important one and it's it's one that just it, it doesn't get talked about enough. The the you know, the the scenario that plays out in everybody's mind is the you know the the Cardinals trade Josh Rosen, they draft Kyler Murray first overall, and everybody lives happily ever after, and that's that's not necessarily going to be the case. You know there there should be more discussion here about what happens if you know if, if they blow it again and draft a quarterback who doesn't work out. I and I don't believe that's the case with Josh Rosen personally. I'm still a huge Josh Rosen believer, but. Anyways, we like I said, we spent way too much time just on the the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins that that whole story as it's unfolding. But we've got a couple other things that we need to get to. Um, in is the the limited amount of time that we've got left. But there are a lot of trade rumors flying around. Two elite wide receivers in particular. So let's actually start with Odell Beckham Jr. And we're going to preface this one by saying we're recording this late Wednesday night. And, you know, the 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 rumors on Odell Beckham have been ramping up quite a bit today. It's entirely possible that this trade happens either before or very soon after this episode drops. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, 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 
this might be one to skip past if you already know the news uh, by now. But hopefully uh, this this gives us a little bit of time for this episode to kind of simmer. And uh, so we'll talk about this first, though. O Odell Beckham Jr. Sounds like he does get traded, and it sounds like he gets traded very soon, which is honestly pretty surprising. But it sounds like the, the, so the teams that he's been linked to are the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Oakland Raiders. But I think there's probably some other teams who could be in play, who could be in the conversation. So, Trey, I'm going to start with you again. I want to know where you think he's most likely to go and what's the best situation for Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of uh, dynasty um, it, it, for his own value and for the quarterback in whatever landing spot you've got him going to. Well, they're, they're all one and the same for me. My predicted spot for him, the spot I want to see him go to is Cleveland. And um, I mean, the hype is going to just be out of control if this does happen. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just super excited. I, I don't think that, you know, I think San Francisco would be a really close second for me. But, well, I shouldn't say close. It would be second. But Cleveland, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. What, what Cleveland is doing there is nothing short of amazing. The, the talent that they've compiled um, on offense uh, with, with Mayfield and the receivers he's got there. And, you know, they, they've got Kareem Hunt, which they'll likely end up getting a, a, a pick, a compensatory pick. I mean, they, they're just doing things wonderfully as an organization. And um, I, I don't know how his personality is going to fit in in the locker room, but just from a sheer uh, fun to watch NFL perspective, and then more importantly, from a, a fantasy dynasty perspective, um, I mean, you know, the hype on Baker Mayfield is going to just go through the roof. It's already, you know, uh, about to bust through the seams, but the, I mean, the roof is going to be obliterated on Baker Mayfield's value if, OBJ is traded to Cleveland. So I, I would love to see that happen. I, I think it would be exciting. And and it, I, for me, it would lock them in as the favorite to win that division um, this year. Oh, wow. How things have changed. People <laughs> are actually viewing the Cleveland Browns as an, an as, as an organization that is doing things the right way. Uh, that is music to my ears. I can tell you that much. I, I obviously have a little bit of a bias. I would love to see. OBJ in Cleveland, and I think you nailed the biggest point I was going to make there, Trey, was Baker Mayfield's value right now is already a little too high, in my opinion. If this trade happens, his value is going to be maybe top three in, in Superflex uh, you know, ADP, and that's, that's going to be too high, in my opinion. Um, but uh, moving on, you know, looking at uh, at one of the other potential landing spots, Odell Beckham Jr. in San Francisco is a really interesting fit because San Francisco essentially is getting a, a starting quarterback, a new starting quarterback. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play for them really. So it, basically they'd be getting a new starting quarterback, a new starting running back in Jarek McKinnon, and a new fantasy number one wide receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. Um, to pair with a, a, a nice, you know, a, a, Dante Pettis, who came off a, a pretty pretty impressive rookie year, I think, um, for all intents and purposes, with what he had to work with, he did well. And then you had that with George Kittle, and you wonder how good can San Francisco's offense be next year? There's a lot of question marks on that team because there's a lot of new new pieces there. 
But if they can find a way to gel early to mid-season, that could be a team that really uh, projects well fantasy-wise if Odell Beckham lands there uh, moving forward. So that's another spot that I, I wouldn't mind seeing Odell Beckham in as much as I'd love to see him in Cleveland. If he doesn't land in Cleveland, I think San Francisco is the next spot that I'd like to see him in personally. So surprise, surprise there. <laughs> so I have, I do have an issue with San Francisco being the, like, we'll call it the leader currently of these rumors with OBJ and Antonio Brown, because I just don't think that San Francisco is ready to compete in terms of their defense. And with this being a defensive heavy draft, I think it would be a mistake if San Francisco didn't go with an edge rusher like um, Nick Bosa, like Josh Allen at that number two pick. Uh, so I think it would be good in terms for or of fantasy. And uh, as much as I, I don't like Jimmy G, I can still admit that him, Jimmy G with somebody like Antonio Brown or OBJ is going to be very, very good in fantasy. But in real world football, I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me because I'm assuming that you're likely going to have to give up that 1.02. Can I pose a little bit of a twist on this? I'm just curious what you guys think, and I know we're going to kind of get into this in a little bit here, but if Cleveland becomes the clear front runner for Odell Beckham, if that seems to be the case, and you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, do you change your stance on whether or not you want to trade Antonio Brown to, Pitts, uh, to Cleveland? Uh, I'm just asking because, I mean, would you rather play Odell Beckham Jr. twice? in a year, or would you rather give the Browns the option to maybe take Antonio Brown, who's a little bit older, um, you know, and maybe you can get better compensation from Cleveland than maybe you're getting currently from other teams. Would you change your stance at all if, if you're Pittsburgh and say, you know what, if, if, if we have to, if Cleveland's going to acquire an elite wide receiver, I, maybe we'd rather it be Brown than Odell Beckham that we have to play for an extra four or five years uh, that, you know, longer that he might be playing than, than Antonio Brown. Oh, interesting. I just don't think teams think that far out. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also tough to just assume that you know, what it, well, it, it's tough to just assume that Beckham is for sure going to Cleveland, you know. And and so you throw him Antonio Brown just to basically block Beckham and then what happens if you know, Beckham was going to San Francisco all along, you know, so I, I, I think that you kind of have to roll the dice. I don't think that there's really a way around it, but um, that there, that's definitely some next level thinking that, uh, that is just, again, just kind of lacking in these NFL front offices. Uh, and then I think the, the final one that we can talk about really in detail here is, is Oakland. Um, for OBJ, it makes more sense to me in terms of the timeline for the Raiders if it's OBJ over Antonio Brown. But and and it really depends on on how they want to spend their cap. They do have the fifth most cap space, so they can definitely sign somebody like, let's say Le'Veon Bell, and they trade for OBJ. All of a sudden, that offense looks a lot better. I mean. They can somehow retain Jared Cook. They have um, 
Marcel Aitman, who who came out on of late last season. They have Jordy Nelson in the slot, who I think could bounce back a little bit. So that gets interesting there. I just John Gruden's an enigma right now because I don't know exactly what he's trying to do. I know he he bought a lot of old guys to get expiring contracts. So I'm I'm assuming that now that he is starting to get some money, he will start using it. But then again, like maybe he's just waiting until they move to Vegas. So I just I, I'm having a hard time believing that Brown or OBJ. The the re, the only reason I would think that OBJ makes sense is because he can he will be there when they do move to Vegas with Brown. It's a little bit of a different story because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Brown here when, when he's coming up on this age cliff. Yeah. That's also kind of a tough one to, to explain to your fan base. It, it, at this point, it's awfully close to a lateral move from Amari Cooper to Antonio Brown. I, I, I still believe that Antonio Brown is the more talented player but it's awfully close to a point where the age discrepancy becomes pretty glaring. Why would you move on from, you know, what a 24 year old Amari Cooper to a 32 year old Antonio or 31 year old Antonio Brown? That's that, that's kind of a tough one to explain, but I mean, at the same time, John Gruden doesn't really have to explain this stuff because he's about to, cash check number two out of 10 for 10 million dollars and uh there's uh he he's gonna get all all 10 of them so what about antonio brown where where do you guys think he lands this one's tough for me because i just explain why i don't like either of them going to the bay area um but there are two that are interesting to me in green bay and the colts who we've heard rumors around and that's because they have elite quarterbacks that can carry teams to the Super Bowl and giving them an extra weapon like an elite wide receiver in both of those. So in Green Bay, you would have Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown. In uh, Indianapolis, you would have T.Y. Hilton and Antonio Brown along with those tight ends. So... I think those are intriguing because I think the Packers are absolutely in win now mode. The Colts are a little bit interesting. They have a ton of cap space. So I don't think that's something we have to worry about. So if they wanted to get into win now mode, I, I can see them signing a bunch of big free agents on defense and then going for somebody like Antonio Brown and going for it in the next few years with Andrew Luck here. I think for me, it's still Oakland because that, you know, and, and it has more to do with not necessarily what I want to see, but, you know, the, that seems to be where all the rumors are pointing. Um, I do find it kind of interesting that all of a sudden now that there's this ultimatum that the Steelers appear to be putting out that, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, everybody get your best offer in by Friday and we, we will be taking the best offer we have. So I, I'm not quite sure what that's about, but I, I think it's very interesting that um, that's happening and that, you know, likely we'll see Antonio Brown moves here in the next week. So for me, I still think it's going to be Oakland. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. You know, they, they do have, I don't know what they'd have to give up to get him. You know, they, they do have like, you know, four picks in the top 35. So they have a real opportunity to inject some talent onto that team. So 
Um, and, and, you know, for all the flack that John Gruden has gotten uh, from, a, you know, um, uh, ma- making moves perspective uh, or personnel decisions, uh, I think he still has uh, an incredible mind as far as offensive play calling. And, and I would love to see what he could do with a guy like Antonio Brown as his wide receiver one would be would be really exciting. Yeah, I think that's interesting, uh, Trey. I think Oakland is definitely an interesting team to see what they're doing. And I, I think Snoppy, I think you kind of touched on a little bit when when addressing the Raiders is uh, I don't know that any of us really know what John Gruden's plans are, what this team's plans are with them moving, them playing in Oakland for one more year. Are they waiting to make that big splash for next year, you know, if they, if they can start playing in Vegas? Or is this the year that you want a guy uh, that – you know, that can, can kind of generate some interest over there a year, year ahead of time. What I, I, I just don't know. Um, so th- they're an interesting team to watch, but you know, you know, a team I want to talk about and look, I, I know what Pittsburgh says. I know Pittsburgh says, we don't want to deal them here. We don't want to deal them there. But ultimately at the end of the day, I feel like if new England gives them the best offer, they will trade them to new England because I, to me, that's just silly to not want to trade them to a team that you may potentially have to beat in the playoffs. Um, it's not a guarantee that you will. You know, who, who knows? But if you can get the best package to move him and move him to New England, a team that, you know, you play at most once a year, I, I think you do it. And it wouldn't shock me if, I mean, look, New England's window, yeah, they just won a championship. I get it. But, I mean, Tom Brady isn't getting any, getting any younger. Uh, they definitely need some receiving options. Rob Gronkowski may not even be back for next season. I, You know, there's – who knows? Uh, th- that window is kind of closing pretty quickly here for them to win championships. So, so keep acquiring assets and keep going for it while you can if you're New England because I'm not sure that that – you know that uh, that train just keeps rolling once once Brady's gone, once Gronk's gone, once they start losing some of those key pieces. So I, it wouldn't shock me if Antonio Brown's the type of guy that they would make a move for to bring in. Uh, it just seems like a Patriot move to do, and they definitely they desperately need wide receiver help. And I, it wouldn't shock me if that's what they do. If New England tries to make a move to get Antonio Brown, I don't think it's going to cost the first round to acquire uh, first round pick to acquire him either. So I think that that might be something that New England might might want to venture, uh, you know, towards making an offer for, and I would love to see Antonio Brown playing with Tom Brady, obviously. So uh, that that's still a team that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, even though I know Pittsburgh is reportedly said they don't want to deal them there, I still think at the end of the day, if New England makes the best offer, they'd be hard-pressed not to take it. Yeah, ditto for the Colts, I believe. Uh, I think that's a pretty good fit, and the only – the only thing that could really get in the way is again, that mentality of we don't want to have to play this guy, especially in the playoffs. Um, Green Bay makes a ton of sense, I think, but I, I don't know that that, that that's not really the type of move that Green Bay tends to make. So I'd be a little surprised if that happens, but um, I think that that one probably does the most for Antonio Brown's individual uh, value and dynasty. Mind you, this was, this is a new regime. It's not Ted right. Thompson. So they they actually made free agent signings last season, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I, I mean, it was kind of Jimmy Graham and that was, that was really kind of it as far as the, the position guys though. Right. I mean, I, they, yeah, and they I made the trade for, for Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. And it was, 
but I, I think we're now getting up there in age for Aaron Rodgers. I believe he's 35. Yeah. And if you're going to do it with a Hall of Fame quarterback, I mean, now's the time. Like, I, I think you have to go all in here in the next couple of years. And to me, that means getting as good as possible on offense and getting a serviceable defense. And they have $33 million in cap space. And I'm sure there, there are some contracts on there that they can move around and get more cap space. And if that's the case, I, I don't know. And, and, and like you said at the top of the show, uh, you're a narrative person. So am I. I like to create narratives. And I just don't know why they wouldn't sacrifice some cap to try and get as elite as possible on the offensive side of the ball and that and allow Aaron Rodgers and and that offense to carry them to the playoffs and Super Bowl possibility. Yeah, unless they're that comfortable with the guys they drafted last year, uh, particularly one equanimous St. Brown. Oh my god. So <laughs> oh, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> There's some bias here. Yeah. You don't always, want always. You don't want Antonio Brown there. <laughs> no. No. I I don't for Devontae Adams. I don't for Equinemia St. Brown. I, I would like the opportunity for, for people to start to come around to the idea that, that Aaron Rodgers is still the number one quarterback and therefore the number one player in Dynasty Superflex. And I think that Antonio Brown probably vaults him up into that, at least back into the conversation for absolutely everybody. I don't know that people are going to put him ahead of Pat Mahomes. But if he's thrown to Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown, it, it, people are going to are, are going to throw him back up into the the early part of the first round of startups, and I'm I'm all for it. We uh, so we're in the we're late in the fourth quarter here of this episode, so we're going to have to get through some of these a little bit faster. Uh, but we we still want to talk about a few of these for sure. Le'Veon Bell is, uh, you know, the, the, so the big, the big prize, we talked about the big prizes who are going to be available or likely available in trades, but in free agency, I think it's Le'Veon Bell, right? I mean, there, there's some guys on the defensive side, but all eyes are going to be on Le'Veon Bell. Where does he land? So that's the same. We're, we're looking for the same thing here. What if Le'Veon Bell lands with this team and we're looking for, you know, what does it do for his dynasty value? Um, what does it do for the rest of the offense, particularly the quarterback in, in some of these situations, if you feel like it's going to make a difference? And uh, uh, once again, I want to start with Trey. I think for me, where you know, everybody's kind of talked about the Jets. That's been the, the popular choice. Um, and I think for Le'Veon Bell, you know, the, the Jets may very well be able to offer him the most money. But for me, what I would love to see is the Houston Texans bring him in because that offense with Deshaun Watson and his playmaking ability and obviously DeAndre Hopkins needs no introduction. But but Will Fuller, I think, is a, is a real um, low-key, solid wide receiver too. And a guy like uh, Kiki Kuti as their, you know, slot guy. I mean, that offense just would be unbelievable. Um, and so I think that for me as a fantasy uh, enthusiast, that the opportunity to see Lev Bell 
on that Texans offense would be incredible. And, and they're not far behind the Jets. I mean, you know, the 30 million, but, they, but they've got almost 70 million in cap space. So my thought is that Le'Veon Bell, I think, wants to get paid. But I think that the opportunity to compete for a title could help potentially bridge the gap, you know, between if, if the Texans aren't offering him quite as much uh, money. Um, so that, that would be, for me, the dream landing spot is the Texans. Yeah, man, I, I like the Texans. I think that's a, that's a nice landing spot for him. To me, the, the landing spot that seems most realistic, at least in my eyes, is I, I really think Oakland just makes sense. I mean, this is a big splash move they can make. It's not going to cost them any type of capital um, as far as draft capital goes. or they, you know, they don't have to trade anything away to, to acquire him. He's a free agent. They just basically need to pay him. And I think fixing that run game is the, the quickest way to fixing that team. Le'Veon Bell is also such a good receiver out of the backfield. He provides a nice safety net for uh, for for Carr as well. So um, I think you could do that. And even if you want to trade up to one, uh, to number one uh, overall pick and, and grab Kyler Murray, this, this helps him out too. It's a nice safety valve back there. He can rely on the running game. Le'Veon Bell to Oakland just makes sense to me. And I think that's the kind of splash that the Raiders kind of kind of need to make rather than going after one of those top wide receivers that we talked about. So to me, I, I think Oakland is a nice landing spot for Le'Veon Bell. It makes sense to me uh, for him to go there. So what do you guys think? Allow me to tee this one up for you, Stompy, because I've been predicting all along and I'm still I'm still on this. I believe Le'Veon Bell goes to Baltimore. I believe he belongs in Baltimore. I think that he fits that offense all too well. And again, you know, the 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 narrative side of me, the narrative driven side of me would love to see him stay in the AFC North and, uh, you know, be able to in we get those revenge games twice a year against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this. I love Houston for a landing spot. I think it's the best landing spot and he will he will have the most impact. Uh, he would make that defense or that offense extremely well-rounded and that defense is very good. So they could definitely be a contender if they got Le'Veon Bell. Oakland, we've already talked about, or I already talked about, if they could get, I mean, they have enough cap space where they can get Lev Bell trade for one of those um, big wide receivers and instantly become interesting at the very least. But yes, Lamar... Imagining Lamar Jackson paired with Le'Veon Bell gives me goosebumps. <laughs> and I I just I want you to imagine arguably the best running quarterback of all time paired with one of the most well-rounded running backs ever. And it, it gives Lamar Jackson a short to intermediate target, another short to intermediate target. Uh, so he has a dump off there if he gets in trouble. I'm still going to argue that to probably I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill that Lamar Jackson's a better passer than we think. So I think that offense would become extremely well rounded. Maybe not nearly as well rounded as Houston, but paired with that defense, I, I think that'd just be a killer combo. Because what do you what are you gonna do if you're running an RPO with Lamar Jackson and Le'Veon Bell? Who are you stopping? Yeah, exactly. And then you can throw out Kenneth Dixon still. Get so. out of here. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't. I, I just, I cannot. 
these these guys are always with me they're always just kind of it's like their spirits are just kind of hovering around me reminding me how of their greatness hold on Kenneth so, Dixon, just chris suggest, carson did you just suggest that kenneth dixon would have anything to do even with Le'Veon bell there of course he would of course he would it, that's that's the entire point i, I mean okay You've got no wide receivers. You got to do something. I know that you've got a million tight ends. That's fine, but you still have to have playmakers out on the field. You want to you want to hear as people as good scream. as Le'Veon Bell is. Kenneth Dixon is going to be the second best playmaker on that team. Oh, okay, maybe third. Oh. I'll give you Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go quite that far, especially this late in the show and how this late at night. Sully, how dare you, Sully Mark Andrews? Mark Andrews is is not anywhere near the playmaker that Kenneth Dixon is. But I, I, I'm going to make some draftniks and Devi players and what have you scream. Oh man! Right, Nikhil Harry to the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, gross! No, you wanna- <laughs> no, that is, that is gross. <laughs> His value is plummeting as we speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just by saying that. Yeah. That just, yeah. There's, there's no way. DK Metcalf would be a far better fit, I believe. I f- very much disagree with that. <laughs> really? Well, I don't like DK Metcalf a, a lot. I don't like him. Well, in Baltimore, doesn't like wide receivers. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but I, in, in, admittedly, I don't watch. I don't watch film, so I can't give a well-rounded um, review or, or. I guess analysis of DK Metcalf, but it sounds like he's not the best route runner and he just is not agile. Now I could be very wrong and he's, he's an athletic freak and things can be taught, but I think Lamar Jackson's going to excel more in that intermediate to deep game and not the, the um, long passes, I guess. So you want guys like Nikhil Harry who can give you yards after the catch. And I think that's why he's a good fit because you can have him running all over the place, short intermediate, get him the ball, and then he can do yards after the catch. So you don't need, I mean, and not to say that Lamar Jackson has a terrible arm. He absolutely doesn't. But I think the best option is to do RPO with kind of quick hitting passes. That's what Lamar Jackson's good at. That's what he was good at in college. So if you can get somebody like Nikhil Harry, who very much reminds me of DJ Moore, he's probably not as good as DJ Moore is, but he still has that yards after the catch and the 50-50 ball type plays. He's very athletic, um, and that's something that we forget. So I don't think – and and I know everybody's like, oh, it kills the value, kills wide receivers' values going to Baltimore – but I don't. This isn't the same offense by any means, and if you put the right receiver in there, like I think I, I like Willie Sneed as well. You put the right right pass catchers in there, they will excel. Yeah. Well, you don't need him because you've got Kenneth Dixon. So, oh my God, <laughs> we Trey, we want to respect your time, but do you uh, do you have time for another one or two, or, or do you want to wrap? Yeah, man, up? I'm good. Yeah, let's go. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to start with you again then. 
Um, we'll, we want to run through these fairly fast, but um, a couple of them that are, these are way more hypothetical, I believe. Uh, I, I, you know, OBJ sounds like he's going to move. Le'Veon Bell, we know he's going to land somewhere else. Arizona is going to do something with the first overall pick and make a decision on Josh Rosen. Antonio Brown's on the move. So all that is happening. What we don't know, here, here's one that we don't know. So what if Todd Gurley's knee is actually just, you know, if, if this is actually a degenerative thing that's going to hinder his abilities for the rest of his career and going to limit his availability to the Rams for the rest of his career. Man, that that's awful. Um, because I think that there's a lot of people like Todd Gurley is one of those guys right now for me that is neither a buy nor a sell. Like he's just a hold and pray. Um, because you know, the, the concern apparently is pretty real. And, and I think there's some people that have some pretty strong opinions, about, you know, that he's a huge buy right now. But uh, what happened the end of the fantasy season and the actual NFL playoffs as far as his usage is very, very concerning. And so, I, man, I mean, uh, 12 months ago, the guy was a no-brainer 101 in um, Superflex I think even was a uh, conversation. So, I mean, th this is just unreal. It's, it's so crazy. The fall from the top and um, I don't know where it's going to stop. I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, when we're like a month before the season starts heading into 2019, where his ADP is going to be at that point. Um, so man, I, I hope it's not true, but it's a, it's awful news if it is. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't, you know, I, I hate to uh, to take any kind of victory lap with something like this going on, but this has been one of my crusades, guys. This happens to running backs every single year, and we all just tend to just totally ignore it. So I'm going to throw a hypothetical out for all three of you guys that's in this exact same vein. What would happen if Saquon Barkley tore his ACL in – the preseason or in training camp? Well, I, first off, let's just say Todd Gurley already has a history with, with knee, in, knee issues uh -huh. going back to his college days. I'm, so, okay, I'm glad James brought this up. I was <laughs> yeah, going to call you out on that nonsense if he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Th there's, there's, there's reason for concern because this has been an ongoing issue, whereas with Saquon Barkley, it hasn't been. Mm -hmm. it, it, to me, it would, it would take more than just one knee injury for me to be really concerned uh, about Saquon Barkley. Um, I, think, I think the one injury um, you know, can be sustained to where you, know, you monitor it, obviously, but I, I don't think I'd be overly concerned. Whereas with, with a guy like Gurley, with guys like Jay Ajayi, with guys that have had that, leg, that knee issue previously, um, you really worry about it you know, moving forward. And with Gurley, that's why this is such a growing concern, especially if it is uh, kind of an arthritis issue, because that's, that's not something that's going to go away. Uh, and, and so that's, that's a growing concern there. So that's something that, I mean, you, you really have to monitor. And when you start talking about, you know, possibly entertaining the idea of getting some stem cell type work 
done uh, to, to try to fix it, it, it that's always alarming to you, especially for a running back with a knee issue. So, John, I will give you credit. You are always harping on why running backs are not so valuable, and this is kind of it. But I think you, you have to you have to be more cautious at running back for sure when there's been a history already of, of a leg slash knee slash ankle type injury, even a foot injury, um, just because they sustain such so many hits that if that's already been an issue, then it, sh- it should be, you know, that, that should be kind of baked into their cost. And I think it's, it's not always. So I will give you that, that I think we're starting to come around to that idea that if these running backs have some red flags, um, as far as injury concerns go, we, we should maybe lower their value just a little bit in, in fantasy. Well, so I'm going to say this though, because the arthritis in, in knees that have been operated on in, uh, in terms he, he tore it in ACL in college, that happens. So it's not, this isn't a, oh, this is a rough and rough position type thing. I mean, it, it, it happens. So I'm, I'm not buying the premise that, oh, he's a running back. So this was bound to happen. That's not what happened here. But it happens to all of them. No, it does not. Every single now you're one just, of them. Now you're just making stuff up. It happens to every all single of one of them. All right. So I'll say this. If it's true that Todd Gurley's knee is bad and he's probably going to have to take – he's definitely not going to be that three-down bell cow that we're used to. He probably you're, you're probably still seeing a – 60 40 split um with somebody like cj anderson i i would hope that they give john kelly a chance mm-hmm. uh, but in real life it they doesn't ways by the way what they should anyways by the way oh yes absolutely uh, and and i i definitely can see that going into next year i think they they're gonna have to be careful regardless they'll they'll um still still split the carries now Todd Gurley's still too good. He's still probably going to be a running back one as long as he stays healthy. He's just, he's, he's such a good running back, but in terms of real life, I I don't know if it affects that much. We saw how effective CJ Anderson is. We saw how effective that line was. We saw how, how effective the 11 personnel is for the Rams that I just don't think it's going to affect the, the Rams all that much now in terms of your dynasty teams. Yes. You're probably going to have to lower his, your expectations on him, but I'm still thinking he's going to be an RB one for what it's worth. I agree with you on Todd Gurley where I'm going with this hypothetical with Saquon Barkley is yeah. I mean, you're right, James, that the history isn't there, but once this injury occurs, then there's history there. Do we have to start worrying about that? And do, at what point do we start to wonder, all right, when does this become chronic with, with him? You know, and, and again, the, the entire point of this episode was to go from, you know, the, the things that were absolutely going to happen to get to some of the, the outlandish stuff, the, the far reaching stuff. And to me, that's where we're at. And I think this, that this is important. Everybody is taking Saquon Barkley first overall in their startup drafts. Everybody is planning on having Saquon Barkley for, you know, nine, 10 years. And I, we just don't have any kind of track record of that really happening. There are, it it doesn't happen with every single running back. I'll, I'll admit that. 
there have been some guys who have, for the most part, been able to avoid major injuries and have lengthy, productive careers, but it absolutely affects their value, and it happens to the vast majority of these running backs. So I am curious if that affects the way we approach Saquon Barkley if he does have that injury history starting in 2019. Well, I think one of the things I think it begs the question, and this is something I've been a proponent of for the last couple of years, and it just so happens that it's worked out looking back on it. And and fast forward two years from now, this could sound terrible, but I've been criticized vocalizing it, you know, each of the last two off seasons, you know, two off seasons ago, it was David Johnson and Mike Evans who had skyrocketed up to the top of, of startup boards, you know, last off season, it was OBJ and, you know, you can go back uh, each of the last three, four years and look at guys that were taken in the top, you know, three picks that have, have plummeted for a variety of reasons. The thing for me, and, and you know, we've talked about maybe recording a podcast episode, you know, titled The, the Case to Sell Saquon Barkley and Patrick Mahomes in Superflex. Because when, when you have a, a, a player who is just kind of obnoxiously valued higher than the second best player at their position. To me, I love, I mean, I have a team that actually has Saquon Barkley and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, thinking about trying to trade one of them just makes me sick to my stomach. But when you look at the packages that some people, and, and I know that, you know, Twitter polls are definitely, definitely not the the be all end all as far as what you can get in, in a package. But I, I mean, I have to say the last 10 or 12 trade packages where I've seen Barkley sold or Mahomes sold in Superflex, like I'm wanting the other side because they're so obnoxious um, that it just doesn't make sense to not sell these guys. So, you know, I, I think it's a great question, not not just because of the injury potential, um, but, but just because of the fact that they're being so hyper-valued. I, I think you have to evaluate um, what you could get for them. Yeah, Trey, I think you just became John's best friend because selling that was I was just sitting back with my hands behind my head, just like preach. (laughs) Yeah, selling those top assets, especially a top running back, um, I'm sure got got him all sorts of excited. So um, I I have a I, I have a little tougher time with Pat Mahomes because I feel like quarterbacks can hold their value for an extended period of time, but um, I, I, I mean, I'm still on board with the idea that, you know, he's worth so much more than than Rodgers and Luck right now. So I can I can still get on board with that move. But the running backs, man, I, I mean, there's no way I, I got to be honest, guys. There's such a slim chance that Saquon Barkley is going to hold the value that he has right now for an entire calendar year. Yeah, Sorry, I d- James totally interrupted. No, you. no, you're you're fine. I I uh, I was kind of expecting it because I, I was hoping <laughs> that I was hoping that you were going to comment about how much you enjoyed Trey's take there. So, uh, no, I I I can't disagree with you there. I I absolutely love Saquon Barkley, but you're right. I mean that what he proved last year is he proved that he belongs in the conversation to be the number one overall running back. Uh, and the number one overall pick, to be honest, but I, I don't think there's any guarantees that he finishes there, and that's just it, is that I think that running back position for those top spots is a lot closer than 
people are are kind of are kind of you know valuing it as as of right now. I think guys like Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and there are several others too. I'm sure that that should be considered in that in that conversation. And so I think those guys are all close to me. They're all kind of in a grouping together. Uh, and and I don't know that that's how the the dynasty or fantasy community is is viewing it with with those guys. So um, it is interesting with Barkley to kind of see you know what's what's going to happen and uh, and you know, where his value is going to go from here. But I agree with you, Trey. I think, uh, I think, you know, his value at this point makes it, makes it, you know, where you can, you can get a, an awful lot in return for him. And I'd be as much as it pains me to say it, cause I absolutely love Saquon Barkley. You know, his value is probably higher now than it will be for a little bit. Now might be the time to move him uh, if you're going to. So yeah, I'm on board with that, that train of thought, Trey. I think you're, I, and if I'm understanding this right, John, you you're more about playing odds there. Mm-hmm. So Barkley's value is through the roof right now. Now, could that value go up? I I personally think so because he did all of this in his rookie season. So I I think if they can get a better offensive line, I think he could definitely do better. But I think the odds you're playing are. Is he going to survive a full season to maintain or even increase that value? Correct. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, okay. uh, which, uh, by the way, would mean he does it twice in a row, two years in a row, which is it's very tough for a running back to do, especially with the workload that he took on as a rookie. I mean, it, it's a valid argument. Um, I would probably take the other side of that chance, but that's me because I actually like running backs. um he's also no kenneth dixon by the way oh my god uh so i I guess part of part part of the question now is do you trust guys like cooper cup or will fuller now that they've torn their acls like how how do you compare let's say todd Gurley's knees to those two do you who do you trust more i suppose it, to stay healthy, yeah, because uh, the, the wide receivers. Okay, so and the reason I ask is you said that once there's an injury history there, then you have then it's there, but right. it it seems like you might you you apply that more to running backs than wide receivers, correct? Um, and I don't know how fair that is. Uh, it's totally fair. It's, uh, in, in your subjective opinion, it is totally no. fair. <laughs> the, but, yeah. the, no, this this objectively speaking, and here's why. Because look at the way a play, a typical play ends for a wide receiver. Here's here's kind of the range of outcomes. They could, it, they could, you know, obviously it, we're talking about them actually making a catch. So here's the way it could end. It could end with them catching the ball along the sideline and stepping out of bounds untouched. It could end with them scoring a long touchdown untouched. It could end with them catching the ball on the, well, they're already on the ground untouched. And even then, you know, even, even on the occasions when they actually get tackled, there are a lot of shoestring tackles. There are a lot of, you know, kind of just kind of trip them up. And on top of all that, 
a high number of catches for a wide receiver is what a hundred, a hundred catches for a season. And how many of them end in a, a violent collision? Whereas running backs are going to touch the ball somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 times. And maybe 2% of those ends with them getting into the end zone or stepping out of bounds untouched. There's going to be a collision otherwise on every single one of those touches. Yeah, I think that's in the volume, you know, like last year, <clears throat> Saquon Barkley uh, between his rushes and his receptions had 350 touches, you know, Julio Jones, who's a, a pretty high volume guy, his career high is like 136. And like you said, the tackles, you know, Saquon Barkley is being tackled by, you know, probably a, a decent bit of defensive backs, but also a lot of defensive linemen and linebackers. He's being tackled in big piles where 350 pound offensive linemen are falling. I mean, so mm -hmm. I, I think just the opportunity for, for knees to get twisted around is that, you know, it's a higher percentage, high, higher chance of it happening and, and the higher volume of plays where it could happen. Um, and just a real quick side note, talking about Barkley, you guys, if you haven't done it recently, you owe it to yourself to go. I'm not going to read through them. You owe it to yourself to go to the Dynasty Trade Finder on the DLF website and just search for Saquon Barkley trades. Just read through the one since January the 1st. Um, very, very interesting, the stuff that's that people are getting for Saquon Barkley. So. By, by the way, I'm not saying that running backs aren't more prone to injuries. I am... Yes, you are. <laughs> I no, I'm not. I I'm trying to argue with John about his <laughs> statement that oh, once injury exists, injury history exists, he seems to imply that it it becomes more prevalent. Your injuries become more prevalent once you actually get injured, which I don't buy. Um, if it's a positional thing, great. But if it's an actual injury thing, now there are different things like hamstrings. Um, we know about compensation injuries due to torn ACLs, um, stuff like that. But you generally don't like have a more prevalence of injury once you actually get injured, right? Right. No, that, that part's definitely true. You're getting way too comfortable on this podcast, by the way, if you want to you're going to start arguing with me about stuff like this, but it, it, yeah, it, 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 that's definitely true. I mean, you tear an ACL, that doesn't mean you're more likely to tear another ACL. In fact, you're actually less likely. I, at least that's the way I understand it. You're less likely to tear that the say the same ACL again, uh, at a later date, but it, it's, it's just the fact that this wear and tear, starts piling up on on this running back and there's no real relief because the nature of the position is to run into you know like a like trey said you're running into a pile of you know 250 270 pound linebackers who have physics behind them who have momentum behind them and that's it it just you're as a running back you're just more likely to get injured and that has nothing to do with your injury history. Just from my perspective, where, where the injury history comes into play is, I mean, we're seeing it with Todd Gurley, that it's affecting his value. 
and it's affecting his ADP right now because he does, you know, these are starting to pile up on him. And we kind of see that with all these running backs. We've, we've seen that now with David Johnson and, you know, several of these guys have, have kind of started to fall off just because of, uh, you know, multiple injuries start to scare people off of them. So that's all it is. I mean, at some point, Saquon Barkley's going to get injured. He just is, you know, especially based on the position that he plays. It just increases the likelihood that he's going to get injured. And I just think that when that happens, people are going to start to diminish his value. And I don't think that that should be the reason to do it. And if it is, if that's the reason that you want to deflate Saquon Barkley's value, then why wait until he actually gets injured? Why not acknowledge now that he's going to get injured? And therefore, it because of the position he plays, he's going to get injured. And therefore, let's let's knock him down a little bit in value now because we know that it's going to happen. Uh, all right. Anyways, that's a that's an interesting way to end that. Uh, I, I think that it's an important conversation on both sides, but uh, we do need to wrap it up for the week. Uh, we've got a few more hypothetical situations that we wanted to discuss. We'll get to those at a later date. We might have to bring Trey back to to discuss these these with us. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to talk with you and uh, to finally get a chance to uh, to actually kind of meet you um, virtually. Anyways, so Trey, we really thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. I uh, enjoyed it and would would love to come back anytime. Anytime. Appreciate it. Definitely. In the meantime, where can they find your work? Well, right now you can find me on Twitter at, at Trey Barrett and then um, the uh, Fantasy Joes. We're actually in the process right now of doing a little, we're, we're, we're kind of changing from the Fantasy Joes to Fantasy Joes Dynasty. Not, not a real big, but our, our focus is more on Dynasty, so we're adding that that word in there, but, um, fantasy Joe's, you can find our podcasts all over Stitcher, iTunes, uh, pretty much anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So might as well throw in the word super flex while you're at it, while you're, while you're making the change. You know, we talked about it actually strange, strange that you mentioned it. We, we kind of talked about that and ended up deciding just to stick with, with dynasty because we don't, you know, like we don't always talk about super flex on every episode, but it is a, you know, anytime we're talking trades or values or doing mocks or drafts, it's almost always super flex. So we did, uh, we did discuss that. So it's funny you mention it. Well, you guys are doing God's work talking super flex. So uh, again, thank you for coming on, but we're going to wrap it up there for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in a conversation, so that we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter. It's at SuperFlexShow. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Stompy is at FF Stompy. James is at underscore James the Brain. I'm at Superflex Dude. And again, Trey is at Trey Barrett. Send them to him as well and send them to the at FF Joes uh, so that uh, we can involve his co-hosts as well. 
Uh, they'd love to break down your super flex trades for you. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.